We're going to do another week, um, so please turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 22. Uh, title this morning is Loving God and Loving Others Drives the Mission. Amen. Loving God, Loving Others Drives the Mission. Amen. Says Brother Jim. Well, last Sunday, if you weren't with us, um, we announced that Alex and Melinda and Jackson um, will be. Alex has accepted the lead pastor role at Crosswalk Community Church. Uh, some of you have been asking. It's up. Um, it's off a kind of garden and um, carpenter. It's kind of in that corner. Um, and so uh, Alex is preaching there this morning. We'll pray for him in just a minute. And uh, we titled last week, Sad, Glad Day. If you weren't with us last week, I just want to encourage you to go back. I think it's an important message for us to help us process that. And uh, we're going to continue to seek to process this morning what's going on here at Trinity. Um, but we will, his last Sunday with us will be August 27th, and he will be preaching that morning, and then uh, Wednesday, September 1st, we're uh, closing down community groups. We'll meet here, but we want to come together and uh, have a farewell party with the Bowmans, and so please note that as well. And then we also announced last week that Christian and Megan Moscoso, uh, their children, Tiago and Nora, uh, they will be moving from Orlando, from a sister church of ours, Metro Life Church, uh, just graciously has um, released them, and they will be moving to Titusville, and will be joining us here um, at Trinity Community Church. Just little changes, that's all, little things going on, just little things, um, little sad things, that's right. <laughs> They are, absolutely. Um, but I just want to encourage us to be praying for all three churches, uh, Course Trinity, Metro Life, and Crosswalk Community Church. As a matter of fact, let's, well, let's, let's stand and read God's word, and then let's pray for these churches. So we're in Matthew 22, uh, verse number, well, first of all, I'm going to read verse 15, and then we're going to jump down. Verse 15, then the Pharisees went and plotted how to entangle him in his talk. Jump down to verse 34. Very familiar scripture. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Let's pray. Lord, your word is Glorious, gloriously awesome. Lord, we stand before it. We sit under it this morning. Father, we pray that you would, through the preaching of your word, 
address us from your word. Father, we pray for Metro. We thank you for just their, their generous hearts. Lord, in the midst of, they are already in a bunch of transition. Lord, thank you. They did not even blink about sending one of their own here. Father, thank you for their hearts in doing so. Lord, we pray for them. We ask that you would strengthen them. We pray for Crosswalk. What a what a pastor, what a couple they are gaining in Alex and Melinda. Lord, we pray that you would strengthen Crosswalk, encourage Crosswalk, even as he, I believe, preaches even now. Um, Lord, encourage that body of believers. They are yours. They're your people. Lord, you are the head of the church. And strengthen Trinity, Lord, I pray. God, encourage our hearts, Lord, as we continue in this sad, glad day that we're walking in. Lord, stir our hearts from this text this morning as we preach. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. It's a lot to process. And so I, this week in study, just felt the need to spend one more week before we hop back into our psalm series. I think all the transitions are good for us as we move closer and closer to this church's 25th anniversary. Um, it's good for us because it helps us to ask some, some, some questions about what kind of church do we want to be in the next 25 years? Uh, what kind of church do we want to leave for our kids and our grandkids? And when you think about all that's going on in Alex and Melinda and Christian and Megan and Trinity and Crosswalk and Metro, there's really, I'm going to put it this way, there's a long list of foolish things going on. From the perspective of this world, lots of foolishness is going on in those announcements. It's foolish if you buy into the world's values. It's foolish as far as getting somewhere, getting ahead, if you will. It's foolish financially. It's foolish for the Bowmans to take a pay cut with more responsibility. It's foolish for them to sacrifice their comfort and their ease, their love for you and your love for them. It's foolish of them to leave a church of people that love them and that they love. It's foolish for Metro to give one of their pastors to let the Moscosos go. How, how is that going to help them build Metro? It's foolish for Trinity to let the Bowmans go. How foolish is all of this? We do a lot of foolish things around here. If we hadn't given money to Bolivia and Ukraine and Africa and Colombia this year, we would probably have, well, not probably, we, we would have in excess of 10, somewhere between 10 and $15,000 to spend on ourselves. We wouldn't have to be so careful with our spending here at Trinity. Mission doesn't make sense to this world or worldly thinking. 
If you want to build the kingdom of Trinity, then we're really blowing it right now. Stop with all the foolishness. Stop with all the giving. But when we get a hold of mission, when we get a hold of what we're called to, when we get a hold of the love of Christ that has filled our hearts, bursts out of the worshiper, it no longer views these things as foolishness. It views these things as holy worship. Our God is worthy. It's an opportunity for celebration. That's why, you know what happens? It's a spontaneous moment here at Trinity when we announce that we just gave away $3,000 for maybe a kitchen or air conditioners or this or that in another country, a project of some sort. Spontaneously, you applaud. We're not looking for an applause. We aren't asking for applause. You just spontaneously, but what is that applause? That's worship. It's an expression of worship. It's a little taste, little taste of Matthew 22. It's worship. Giving is worship. Loving God and loving others is worship. It exalts the Lord. It honors him. It says, Lord, you're worthy. We want to give. We want to celebrate. At Trinity, we want to celebrate when money leaves the building, goes out of here. So we're not here to hoard that, spend it on ourselves. We want to celebrate it when it leaves the building and goes to care for orphans in Bolivia. And when those orphans get old enough, you've done this in the past, when they get old enough to go on to university, it buys them shoes so they can go to university with new shoes on their feet. It cares for abused women in Bolivia. It provides for air conditioning in a very poor church in a very hot climate in Colombia. It buys equipment for another church in Colombia so that they can teach and train pastors. Some of you have money in the concrete and the pillars in a church being built in the Ukraine. How crazy is that? How foolish is that? Church you'll never attend people you don't know and perhaps never will know. And I'm saying to you, Trinity, we want to celebrate that money that leaves the building and goes to gospel mission. We want to celebrate not just money that leaves the building, but we want to celebrate when a pastor leaves the building to go mission, not across the world, across our town. We want to celebrate that pastors and leaders and people who leave for gospel mission. Why wouldn't we celebrate that? Certainly, we want the Bowmans to stay. And certainly, we want the Bowmans to go. We want some of you to stay. And we want some of you to go. Not because we don't love you, but because we love others in this community who don't know Christ. And that's Matthew 22. So let's celebrate the going and the giving and let's pray for greater kingdom mission. Why does Trinity exist? You've already heard it this morning. It exists to treasure Christ, grow in Christ, 
proclaim Christ, and that looks good. It looks good on the screen. It looks good on the website. It looks good on a card, an invite card. It looks good. Sounds good. But what does that look like on the ground, functionally, in real life, driving to work, schooling your children, sending your children to school, being a student in our campuses? What does that look like as a homeschooler or a homeschool mom or dad? What does that look like as we go to our restaurants and our grocery stores and we live in our communities? What does that look like? Recently, I play racquetball um, most weeks, and recently uh, I arrived to play racquetball. Four of my friends were already inside the court, and so I was just kind of getting myself ready and watching through the window a little bit, and uh, another guy showed up, never had seen him before, never met him before, and he clearly, he had a good logo, if you will. He had a good presence. He had good gear. He had a good look. Uh, he asked, can, can I get in on one of these games? And just so you know, like, it's a, it's a fairly competitive crowd, and you don't want, I'll say, a newbie in that it's dangerous, it's not safe to him because you need to know positioning and it's not safe to, to us because he needs to know positioning and you could end up with a racket in your face. So you don't want that. And so I began to quiz him, interview him a little bit, you know, about his level of play. And so look in the window. Do you feel like, you know, you can compete with this? And he made a comment that was just over the top. You know, I really don't see a serve going on in there that um, compares to mine. Wow. All right. I like to play it a little low. I like to kind of go in, you know, a little low. It's lower the expectations. And so um, he ended up in, the, in, in, in some games, and he shouldn't have been there. He had a good look to him, but functionally, right? And we can talk a big game. We can have a good logo or a good, you know, Treasure Christ, growing in Christ, proclaiming Christ, a good, that sounds good. But what does that look like on the ground in our lives as we go about living day by day, seeking to live for Christ? We don't want to just kind of show up to the court and have a good looking presence and there's no substance. So God help us. So we don't want to just talk about this. We want to live it. We want to live Matthew 22. We want to be authentic people. We don't want to just say this stuff because it sounds good. And we don't want to just mission, I'm going to say, on the other side of the ocean. We want to mission on the other side of the city as well. And we've prayed for that. And so as we come to this point in our church life, two weeks out from our 25th anniversary, one of the biggest announcements that we've made do we recognize this is a part of God answering our heart's cry, our prayer? God, give us more mission. God, help us not only across the ocean, but in our city. God, would you help us? Would you advance the kingdom? And I believe the Lord is answering that. And so there's got to be something in our hearts that's saying yes to that. And that's what brought me to Matthew 22 this week. You see, a rote or a mechanical giving or a mechanical serving, it'll give, it'll serve, but it won't do so for the right reasons, motive, 
heart. It won't do so for the love of God and the love of others. It won't do so for worship or for treasure Christ's sake. And so the Pharisees, they're looking for that. They're looking for a, a mechanical answer to a question. It's not even a genuine question. They're not asking a question to hear uh, an answer and humble themselves before the Lord. They're just asking quite what it says. They're asking him the question to test him. It's no different than Jesus as he went into the wilderness and Satan came to tempt him. Well, here's, here's the next one in line. There's no question being asked here. And just the same, by the way, that Christ in the wilderness answered the enemy with scripture, he does so here as well. They're not looking for an answer to the question. And so Jesus comes and crushes all that mechanical worship of God because mechanical or duty or legalistic worship isn't worship. basically what Jesus is saying, what's the greatest commandment? And, he, and his answer is basically, you know what? Your religion isn't going to work here. Your little checkoff list, it's not, it's not going to work here. Now, here's the problem, church. We're so familiar with these verses. We are overly familiar with these verses. Do you realize how radical this set of verses is, how radical they are. What Jesus is saying is incredibly radical. I hope that this morning you can somewhat hear them as if you've never heard them before. So that was a long introduction. These two points will not be equally long. Number one, a radical love for God flows from his radical love for us. That means worship. First, we need to recognize, again, the question isn't a question. It's an attempt to trap Christ. It sounded good. It had the appearance of good. Oh, what a godly question. What a righteous question this is. Which is the greatest commandment? And Jesus replies with this radical answer that comes from scripture, Deuteronomy chapter six. Let's read it again, verse 37. And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Anybody here getting it done? Think about this. What's the greatest command? The greatest command in all of scripture Summarize it for us. Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love, love God with all that you are, with all of your being. Love God. The greatest thing that you can do today is love God with all that you are. The greatest thing that you can do this week is love God with all that you are. The greatest thing that you can do with your life, this life, love God with all that you are. Religion or religious duty will never get this done. Easy believism will never get this done. Just, just a little bit of Jesus to keep me out of hell. That's what I'm looking for. I just don't want to go to hell. So I know, I know there's that equation. So how much Jesus can I have to make sure to ensure my eternity is in heaven? 
this easy believism. I don't want to count the cost. I don't want, I don't want to really sacrifice. I just want to be safe. Some folks would say, you know, I used to stay home on Sundays. Now look at me. I'm at church almost every week. I toss a few dollars in the offering. That's not what Jesus is talking about. If you're doing that rotely or mechanically or religiously, can I just appeal to you? Stop. Casual Christianity will never get these verses done. American prosperity will never get these verses done. Just make sure that when we give, we just don't want to, you know, let's be careful. Let's not be overboard. Let's not, we, we don't want to mess with our comforts. There's nothing about what Jesus' answer that is safe. Nothing about it is comfortable. Do you hear the radical call? This is not a once a week Sunday, most Sundays, love for God. This is love your God with all your soul, all your heart, all your mind. It places a claim on the believer. It's a radical call. Matt Chandler says, if you're bored as a Christian, you're doing it wrong. Amen. Yes. You're doing it wrong. This is Jesus saying, all the law, all the prophets hang on this one peg. You take the peg out, they all come crashing down. Love God with all that you are. This is not half love of God. Some measure, some percentage of, of love for God because he's not a half love of you. This is not God, love God a little, maybe with some of my extra, some of the leftovers. Here, God, let me love you with my leftovers. It's been a really busy week. It's been a crazy week. I come to you now with my leftovers. Lord, help us. Maybe give a little here, give a little there, ease the conscience, do some mission. Give a little of that too, but let's be careful. We don't want to get carried away. We don't want to be so heavenly minded that we're of no earthly good. Right? Isn't that just, just, yes, thank you. Ugh. Let's just all yeah, together. <laughs> Is anybody, <laughs> thanks, buddy. <laughs> Is anybody so heavenly minded in the building that you're of no earthly good? Like, who is that person that we're talking about? I'm so heavenly minded. It's just hilarious, right? That's me. I'm just so heavenly minded. I'm of no good to this earth. I might as well, Lord, just take me now because I'm that heavenly minded. Let me say something. Trinity, we want to get carried away. We want to love God radically. 
Because that's the kind of love he's calling us to. He's calling us to get carried away. He's calling us all to foolishness in the eyes of this world. Because it doesn't make sense to the world. Because they don't know. They're not living to worship the Savior. Radical love for God because you've been radically loved by God. It's radical love for God because you've been radically loved by God. When God loves, he loves the world. When God gives, he gives his only son. When God sacrifices, he lays down his life. When God forgives, he forgives all your sins. When God fills, he fills with his very self, his spirit. You see, he didn't die to make you a church attender who drops a token offering in the box and feels good about ourselves. He didn't die to make you or I a little more moral. He died to change us through and through to entirely transform you and I. You're not just a little transformed. Your entire being, you are a new creature in Christ Jesus. The old things have passed away. New things have come. He made you, then he remade you to conform you into the image of his son. Stunning what Jesus is saying here. Do you struggle with these verses? You should. I hope you do. We all should. I hope you feel the struggle. I hope you feel the conviction. I hope you lose some sleep over it. I'm not here to ease your God-given conviction. Don't ease mine. I think we need to feel this, these verses a little more and realize that by the grace of God, he's still working to conform us. He's growing us because we've not arrived. We don't come to these verses and go, yeah, what's next? Verse 37 crushes our moral and religious mechanical efforts. It's a radical text. A radical call from God, love the Lord with all of your being. And it doesn't come to us in a vacuum. The radical love of the Lord drives the love that you have for your Lord. Number two, this radical love for God drives our love for our neighbor. This is mission. So you can think of point number one, this is worship. This is treasure Christ. Point number two, this is mission, or this is proclaim Christ. Love your neighbor as yourself. <laughs> That's popular. It's a popular phrase, right? Even for our world and the culture that we live in, this is the golden rule. This is alive and well. I mean, spoken alive and well in all homes, all across our country. The golden rule. 
children are taught the golden rule. Love your neighbor as yourself. The world quotes it regularly. Remember what Jesus said. He said, love your neighbor as yourself. As if Jesus was just simply a teacher of ethics. Jesus came to be a teacher of a moral leader, a good, a good guy, a good leader for us to follow in his footsteps, in his example. But Jesus here isn't trying to be an ethics teacher. He's breathing the very word of God. He is the word of God. And newsflash, you can't do these verses. We're all busted <laughs> and broken. And until we see that, we don't see how desperate we are for the love and grace and mercy of Christ. Oh, we can quote it. We can tell our children. But by the way, as you're telling your children, help them to see mom and dad aren't getting this done. We need Jesus in our house. We need Jesus. He didn't come to be an ethics teacher. He came to be a savior. He didn't come to, to, to say, follow my example and actually think that you're perfectly doing so. He came to say, you, you're sinners. You need me. You need salvation. Good news. I've come to lay down my life because you can't get this done. You need Christ. You cannot moralistically get this done, ethically get this done. We are hopeless to get this done. If we're honest, we would quickly admit how much we fail at this rather than try to prop up, look at all the ways I'm getting this done. So you think, well, welcome to Trinity. Where's the hope in that? <laughs> the hope is in Christ who not only died for all our failures, but his righteousness becomes yours. Our love for others is determined by the love for God, which, he, which is determined by God's love for us. God, God has loved you. God has loved you. He's lavishly loved you. So love God with all that you are. Love your neighbor as yourself. That is your life's mission. That's what we want. We, we want to wake up to that. God, help me today to love you with all that I am and to love my neighbor as myself. You realize how radical this is? We're so familiar. You realize how radical this is? Love this other person like I love myself. Sacrifice for him or her like I would sacrifice for me. Now, I know how to sacrifice for me. So do you. We're experts. I can do it with my eyes closed, one arm tied behind my back. I know how to take care of Tim. I'm a pro. Christ is saying, love others like you love yourself. 
but they don't deserve it. Neither did you. <laughs> Neither did I. The point isn't love those who deserve to be loved. No, the point is because you've been loved by God, undeserving sinners that we are, he has loved us so radically, radically love the Lord, and out of that radically love others. Not those who deserve. Others, neighbors, undeserving, unlovely. Whoever said anything about deserving? <laughs> Imagine Jesus. Love others, especially those who deserve your love. Thank the Lord God did not love you because you deserved his love. Thank the Lord. Care for myself. There's not a day that will ever go by that I won't care for me. Patience for me. Oh, I've got tons of patience for myself. Long suffering. I will long suffer with Tim. Grace for me. Come on, give me grace. I know how to care for myself. I know how to care for my safety. I know how to care for my prosperity. I know how to care for my success or my well being. Jesus is saying, love your neighbor like that. And they probably don't deserve it. John Piper says it is an absolutely staggering a commandment. If this is what it means, then something unbelievably powerful and earth-shaking and reconstructing and overturning and upending will have to happen in our souls. Something supernatural. Something well beyond what self-preserving, self-enhancing, self-exalting, self-esteeming, self-advancing human beings like John Piper can do on their own. Our love for God is made visible when we love others. And that's what we're called to. That's mission. When I say mission, I'm using a very broad brushstroke. I know that. I'm talking about our personal mission. I'm talking about our church mission. I'm talking about the everyday life of the everyday believer of Jesus Christ. Every day of our lives as believers, we have a mission. Love your neighbor as yourself. To the waiter, to the waitress, to the barista, to the friend, to the stranger, across the world, across the street. Love the children. Love the poor person. Love the unlovely. It's what Jesus did. Love that stranger. Love that orphan, that widow. Now, you know what's a bit scary to me? I received way too much encouragement last week. Received encouragement from pastors around town, pastors outside of town. I received encouragement from a pastor in another country, way across the world. Way too much encouragement this past week. I'm grateful for the encouragement. Don't misunderstand me. But the encouragement was just how radical Trinity is that we would ask people to pray, to go. That's just radical.
Is it that radical that our hearts would be, oh God, I want to pursue your mission. I want to sacrifice ease and comfort. Is it that radical that we would sacrifice comforts and go? Is it that radical that we might think a bit more kingdom of God rather than kingdom of Trinity? That was some of the comments. You know, just that's just so radical. And it concerns me that in our day and age that that's just that incredibly radical. What would drive that kind of thinking? God has radically loved us. We want to radically love God and we want to radically love our neighbor. And so in the vein of ladies Bible study coming soon, 1 John 4, in this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. That's just good. That's just good arguments. That's just good. Help us think through. All right. How do I get my head around it? Oh, I've been so loved by God. Help me, Lord, to love others. Again, same chapter, verse 19. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. So church, ah, that it would just be our cry. God, help me to love my neighbor more. What does that look like in church life? What does that look like in our community groups? What does that look like as we serve and as we give and as we make this announcement and walk through this transition? What does that look like as we'll be seeking? We're what? Second week in August, second Sunday in August. We'll be seeking to reopen our children's ministry coming out of summer. What does that look like? Because we can talk a good game. I'm a bit tired. I don't know if I want to watch the kids. <laughs> They're the kids. <laughs> we don't want you to watch the kids. We want you to teach the kids. There is a big difference. By all means, don't sign up to watch the kids. Sign up to disciple children. Say, I raised my kids. I'm done. I'm, I've done my time. I'm done. I have served and done that. I'm taking my pass. Love your neighbor. And there's a lot of eight-year-old neighbors in Trinity Community Church. Love them. Some don't want to serve because it's child care. It's not child care. It's mission. I, I understand. I do. I get it. I get how we get our heads wrapped around. I'll take a pass on that because it's child care. No, it's not. Once we see it's mission, the game changes. 
What does that look like for us as we think about the Bowmans and think about Crosswalk? Even think about Metro. I'm so grateful to Metro. I mentioned it in my prayer, but just Metro didn't blink. Not even slightly picking up the phone, talking to both Aaron. Aaron's no longer the lead pastor there, but he has been over these number of years. Christian came in while Aaron was a pastor there. Chris Jesse's now the pastor. They've just gone through this massive transition, talking to Aaron, talking to Chris. I'm thinking, especially Chris, all the changes that you're walking through with your church. Hey, I got an idea. What do you think of sending one of your one of your guys to come pastor here in Titusville? That's foolishness. Not even a blink. Yeah, we'll do that. Let's talk. Let's talk. What would that look like? It's not a religious answer. It's a lover of God answer. It's full buy-in for the gospel of Christ answer. The worship team could join me. Love for God and neighbor drives serving with eyes on the mission. Love for God and neighbor. And yes, church, pray, pray. God, would you have us to go? God, would you have us to stay? God, would you have us to take our wallets and our serving energy and our hearts of prayer and our love God and love neighbor selves 15 minutes up the road and give and serve and offer our energies there? Or would you have us to stay? But either of those two place, places is not casual Christianity. It's not which building will you fill a seat? We have so bought into this culture's consumers, consumerism. We're not here to be consumers. We're not here to be spectators. We're in the game. We're on the field. <laughs> We're playing in the game and it's called mission. What does it look like? Love God, love your neighbor. If you have your passport, sign up for Bolivia. <laughs> you need a passport. It's going to take too long before the trip comes. So if you have your passport, sign up, go to Bolivia, the mission trip, and serve there. Love God, love your neighbor, and recognize Alex and Melinda. Well, that leaves a hole. We need everyone reconsidering, how can I serve? How can I serve? How can I serve? We need everyone going, oh, I need to spend more time in my Bible. I need to be digging in to God's word because Lord, help me. I've been stagnant. Help me to grow. Everyone growing in Christ, everyone digging in, Everyone grabbing an oar and rowing this boat, not, not religiously, not mechanically, 
worshipfully because he's worthy, church. He's worthy. So the trap was laid for Jesus and the question was asked. And this amazing reply came from our Lord, the greatest commandment. Love God with all you are. Love your neighbor as yourself. And it's not a coincidence that we're two weeks out from our 25th anniversary as a church. I pray let this text stun us to help us consider the next 25 years and help us to consider the next five minutes (laughs) to refocus our gaze and remake our priorities because all of scripture hangs on these two. So we would do well to slow ourselves down and consider significantly how we might love God with all of our being and our neighbor as ourself. Let's stand together. Let's lift our voices and let's sing to our God.